Host sans Alika Hope Change, also known as Emil. And today we have a special treat because it is uh, May the 4th has just passed and we're going to celebrate May the 4th as Star Wars Day with a special geeked out episode of Alika Hope and Change starring me, Change, and our fantastic engineer, Jamie. Yes, no Star Trek jokes either. Today it is all about Star Wars. You said engineer, but, so I had to say that for a second. Look, Jamie, you and I are um, stand-up geeks. We know yes. what we love. Yes. We understand who we are. And Absolutely. And we don't make apologies for it. No. And today, Zero our, my sister said, the two of you have at it. So it's the hope and change in the Star Wars saga. People don't understand, Jamie, mm-hmm. just how innovative, how creative, and how reflective each of the three series trilogies mm-hmm. are in their own time. So yes. you have to go back and look at the 70s and see A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi as a product of the late 70s and early 80s. Yes, oh, absolutely. You know, right? uh, where George was in the frame of mind of when he was making Star Wars. Absolutely. Right. And scrappy filmmaker. Yes. Coming off of um, indie success and then having a major studio chop up one of his, one of his uh, most beloved creations and turn it into something monstrous. He was coming out of that when he made a new hope and Mm -hmm. that bled into empire strikes back and again into return of the Jedi. But then he took a long break. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. He took a long break. He, I think he, he said what he wanted to say with each of the movies for the first three. Um, first one being, you know, commentary on the Vietnam War, really, you know, really. But and he has said this before in, in interviews. He has said that the reason it's called a new hope and the reason that he wanted to put the movie on, he wanted to make a movie for kids and he wanted something to give people a shot of hope, you know, a, a, a shot of life feeling good, a great fairy tale ending. With a very, very obvious bad guy and good guy, and it was really an allegory for the Vietnam War. I know we talked about this in another episode. But we did sort of, kind of. Yeah, but it was really as a product of the times. What yeah. you're, what you're really pulling out is that George Lucas was, um, he had a desire to express something that he yes. couldn't hold in mm-hmm. uh, because his expression was film. So yes. what you're, what you're really touching on is that. He witnessed all these different changes, all these different events during his very formative youth. Yeah, and exactly. This series of movies came out of that. Well, there was some, you know, there was a feeling of um, of the hero, mm. you know, in the serials that he watched as a kid, Flash Gordon and the like. Um, and he wanted to bring that feeling back because he felt like the movie industry had really gotten dark, you know, between all the disaster movies of the 1970s, you know. <laughs> You had Towering Inferno, you had Hurricane, you had Jaws, you had all this fear, you know, and then you had the Vietnam War and poverty and everything else and racial tension um, all boiling over from the 60s counterculture into the 70s. So every movie that came out, a taxi driver, and it was just dismal, you know, and he wanted to put something, he wanted to infuse us with a feeling of hope. 
and a feeling of something larger than life and something that was mythological and would bring us delight. That's the word. And I'm going to keep using that word tonight. Um, delight. That you leave the movie theater and you feel delightful. You feel hopeful. I and that, that was a new hope. You know, that was a new hope when it came out in the 70s. And it worked. And <laughs> All of us children lie. who watched that movie came yeah. out of out of the theater with such exuberance. Yes. Yes. Right. We were truly delighted. Mm -hmm. And and as as you watched, he gave us um, in in the in the original trilogy, he gave us this sense of dread in the second movie that wasn't present in the first one. Sure. Yes. You had the big bad with mm -hmm. Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. You had the uh, the menacing proposition that there was this Death Star that was going yeah. around and destroying planets and was capable of destroying the entire rebellion in one fell swoop. You had the very tightly wound uh, <laughs> imperial officers, mm -hmm. all of whom had British accents, by the way. Yeah, I always found that funny. <laughs> An interesting right? fact. And, 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 uh, and then you had, in the second movie, in The Empire Strikes Back, you had the the menace of failure, right? Like it yes. was deeply disturbing to kids who had come out of A New Hope with such exuberance to see the rebellion get kicked in the teeth. Yes, but keeping on the theme of hope, yes, it was downtrodden and dismal and they lost. <laughs> they lost miserably. We watched our heroes. We had just learned three years before the stakes were so high that we bought into it. We bought into the emotion of the movie and felt the darkness, you know, pun intended. But at the end, there was that little glimmer of, you know what? We, we might be able to fix this. Lando and Chewie are going off. We're, we're licking our wounds. So you kind of were left in this wonderful, hopeful, how, how, however be it dark, cliffhanger to bring us into the next movie. To bring us into Return of the Jedi, which is already a hopeful title. <laughs> right. Which is why he changed it, because it used to be called Revenge of the Jedi. But he thought that, um, you know, the Force and the Jedi and that idea of them almost being a Buddhist monk, they wouldn't take revenge. They would just return. And that's why the movie changed. That's why the title changed. There's a lot of the way of the samurai in yes. all three movies. Oh, and, absolutely. Um, and the mm -hmm. Bushido Code sort of sort of underscores a lot of how the Jedi operate and how um, when you learn later in a different saga, there was a self-imposed exile Yes, because they had broken that code. Yes. Which we so talk in the about first three second. movies, you have this really honorable sort of presence mm -hmm. of the Jedi that is trying to redeem itself or redeem the galaxy from the clutches of the empire. Yes. And as the, as the movies progress, you go through this sequence of light and dark back to light, mm -hmm. hope to despair, back to hope. And at the end of Return of the Jedi, uh, which, you know, it's so funny because it came <laughs> out in 83. Yes, it did. Mm -hmm. it, it was the Reagan era. It was, yes, it was. It, it, was, was, it was two years into out the Reagan era. Two deep years into the Reagan mm -hmm. era. And the nation had been through high inflation. It had been through the doldrums post-Vietnam. And here comes this movie that sort of captures this reimagined, reinvigorated spirit of hope, this reinvigorated mm -hmm. part of, of life where things were not as bleak as we thought they were. Yes, yes. The and wounds the were licked and we made it back. through. Exactly. And they right. made it through into another journey. The stakes grew even higher. You know, you had another big bad, 
but you have this sense of they can rise up and finally ultimately have the happy ending that they've been searching for. You know, Luke so, with his journey and, you know, Hanalea fell in love and we had, you know, we had everyone rise up and defeat the evil for the last time. Right. And at the very end of the movie, you see mm-hmm. Darth Vader redeemed by his son. Yes. You see that the most uh, apparent evil could be brought back from the brink mm-hmm. because his son said, I see yet good in him. I see the light in him. There's yes. good in him. I know it. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. And he just was persistent. And, you know, as a product of the times, one of the things that I I just really love about those three movies is not only do they take you through the three, you know, the, the major ups and downs, mm-hmm. but they give you this sense that if you persist long enough, good can overcome. Yes. And we... We often needed that, especially in a time when everything we were doing didn't seem to have such a clear, uh, um, optimistic outcome. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we talk about those three movies as a product of their times coming out of the late 70s and into the early 80s and seeing their commercial success and seeing how kids reacted to it, ourselves included, we begin to understand that there was a sense of finality Mm, yes. But there was also an openness because if in in George Lucas said it very clearly many times over, but he started with episode four on purpose. Yes, yes he did because he knew he there said, was another story to tell. And we have another story to tell when we come back from our break. <laughs> So we're back and we're celebrating the May the 4th with a special geeked out episode of Alika Hope and Change. I am not Alika Hope. I am Change, her older brother, also known as Emil. And And we have our engineer, who is my fellow geek and Star Wars aficionado. And we're talking about the hope and change in the sequels and prequels of Star Wars. So the last segment we talked about uh, the hope and change and how the, especially during the seventies and eighties, a new hope uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi were truly products of the time, especially given the fatigue of the nation having gone through Vietnam, racial tension, and so many other societal factors that influenced a very young filmmaker into making his very independent, very strong uh, statement about how he saw delight. At the end of the day, there would be hope. There would be a rainbow. There would be something we could grab onto. That is the premise of the original trilogy. And it takes you through a lot of emotions. I thought you were going to say the delight at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would have been good had i had i thought it through i would have come up with that i'm sure my wit does not fail me that often please um, continue <laughs> but now we're here in in the second trilogy which is known as the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. and that one has much more controversy it was very well it was very well uh received initially and then people went through a lot of angst over whether or not it was really up to the standard of the first trilogy but here's what I saw. This is what, again... Tell us what you saw. <laughs> what, what was important to me was it was a product of the time. You yes, see, absolutely. 
George mm-hmm. Lucas had spent 15 years basically marinating in his stew of Star Wars madness. He had been assaulted by, he had been loved by, he had been applauded by, he had been booed by fans for a decade. And so along comes the 90s with Mm. President Bill Clinton. He's a much more mature man and a much more mature filmmaker. Um, And it, it occurs to him that since he started with episode four, he had to go back and do episodes one, two, and three. So he takes it on a completely different route. Rather than go through the hope and despair and hope again, he wants to get into the politics. He wants to get into the, as they say in Washington, D.C., he wants to get into the sausage making. Yes. And he wants to see, he wants us to see the blood and guts and how a Darth Vader came to be. Where does a Darth Vader come from? Mm-hmm. And so he starts at the very beginning of the saga with a little boy, an innocent little boy who knows no sin, no fear, no worry. He's just um, on a desert planet with his mother and he's imbued with this amazing talent called the force. And he is discovered by the Jedi who see everything they had thought they were supposed to see in a prophecy that he embodied. Yes. And I want to add, he was also a very hopeful and optimistic child. He thought everything was possible because he was so down below, you know, having been with his mother, having been a slave in the movies and being stuck on Tatooine, which apparently is the most undesirable thing in the world. (laughs) Um, And he was hopeful. Like, he wanted to make change happen. He's like, I want to free everybody. I wanted to. And he was very hopeful at the, at the beginning of the movie. And even at the end of the movie. You know, it was a very, very wonderful, happy ending going into the end of, that, of the movie. And, you know, the idea of being able to, again, rise up and be hopeful and to fight through. Even though there's this phantom menace lurking in the back. It was still a very hopeful movie. But it was of the time. It was a lot of commentary about government and about the way that it works or doesn't work. <laughs> meanwhile, how it serves meanwhile, or abuses its yes, people. exactly. Or how and it how just the, turns a blind eye to people. It, you know? it was, it, for me, I'd actually, I tried really hard to be one of the fans who didn't like the prequel because so mm-hmm. many disliked it. Yeah. But I couldn't not like it because it spoke to me in a way that the other movies didn't. Yeah. And yeah. although I don't put them at, at the same level as the original trilogy, what I do put them at mm-hmm. is the most thorough explanation of politics I had ever seen. <laughs> right? I laugh because that is so true. There were so many Senate scenes and so many so of the inner much. workings and trade federations and just a lot of talk of these treaties breaking down and the idea of those things. Um, it, 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 it really, really it really labored through those, <laughs> and we saw how those can interplay and how they can the, how they can was, mess with somebody's feeling of hope. That was the that was the thing that I kept <laughs> seeing is how Palpatine, especially when you're watching 
the movies as they unfold over mm-hmm. time versus how we can watch them, you know, in batches now. Yes. When you're watching the movies unfold over time and you're seeing this very manipulative figure use the levers of government, the levers yes. of power toward mm-hmm. his own very nefarious ends, it begins to il- illustrate just how slowly these things actually transpire. In city. And how <laughs> one person or a few people who have their fingers on certain levers can make a decision or a series of decisions that sound really good at the time, mm-hmm. but are leading toward, as you know, the old saying, down the primrose path. Yes. And, and, so, and it, he's playing with their idea of hopelessness. You know, yes. he manipulates that. He's taking he manipulates that hope their hope that they don't have and manipulates it to get his way. It, it's a, to me, it's a brilliant illustration of how good intentions can be used yeah, the wrong way. Exactly. And how it takes more than good intentions. In the case of the Jedi, who found out that they were being manipulated and that they, through their overconfidence, had to learn how to come back inside themselves. And mm-hmm. uh, it was by the end of that second trilogy, the prequel yes. trilogy, that uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, the two wisest, the two most level-headed characters in the in the prequels, had to take themselves out of the picture because they yes. had not seen all of the manipulation. They had not seen yes. themselves as agents of that hopelessness that was being misused yes. by the soon-to-be emperor. So over the so when you look at the times that they were produced, right, the yes. late 90s. 99, 2002, and 2005 for each right. of the movies. Yeah. You see mm-hmm. this sort of progression of George Lucas as a filmmaker really mm-hmm. begin to... So he's highlighting all the technology he wished he had in the first trilogy. Yes. He's highlighting, mm-hmm. you know that he wanted to extend certain scenes in certain ways and really be uh, forward in technology and forward in his visualization of um, what he had in his head. Mm-hmm. But what I saw, besides all that, you know, the, which are now seemingly dated uh, computer-generated graphics, mm. what I saw was a man who was at odds with how he was seeing himself and the world around him. Mm-hmm. And he was producing that in the scripts he wrote and in the movies he produced. He was he was giving life to this conflict of where am I in the scale of hope? Mm-hmm. Am I still that hopeful, young, exuberant filmmaker, or am I jaded, yes. or am I somewhere in between? And it came out in the length of each of the movies mm-hmm. and the tone. Yes, absolutely. And not only that, but to still be hopeful in an industry where he was at the beginning in the first trilogy fighting the machine. The second one, he becomes the machine and he's fighting with himself because he still wants to keep these messages in there. But at the same time, it's a behemoth of a cultural icon, Star Wars, you know, especially with, with the, the second trilogy. of the world on his shoulders. Yes, exactly. Because anything so that he conflict. produces, will mm-hmm. it ever live up to the, the initial delight of the yes. original trilogy? Mm-hmm. Does and George Lucas lose hope? <laughs> That's the question. And when we return, we will answer that and talk about the sequel trilogy. We'll be right back. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White.
have returned with our special Geek Squad edition of Alika Hope and Change. I am Change, also known as Emil. And with me is our illustrious engineer, Jamie, who is also a Star Wars aficionado. So together we have been just discussing and enjoying the hope and change in the sets of movies created by George Lucas over the last, wow, almost 40 years. 40 plus years. Right? (laughs) It has been this journey for those of us who, you know, who have our fans from the from the mid seventies and our childhood all the way through. In the first segment, we talked about the original trilogy and the times from which they came. We talked about the second trilogy, the prequel trilogy in the last episode. So if you're a fan of Star Wars or you're just like wondering what is all the hype about, um, what ended up happening over those two um, trilogies is the Star Wars brand was created and solidified in the first trilogy in the 70s and early 80s. What we call the OT, original trilogy. Original trilogy. (laughs) And then in the second or prequel trilogy, it was, (laughs) some people say sullied, some people say solidified, some people say elevated, but it was changed over the next 15 years so that the next trilogy, which started in 99 and finished in 2005, again, a reflection of the times from which it came, and more Mm -hmm. importantly, a reflection of the man going through his personal changes, he had to come up with some hope in that second trilogy, in that prequel trilogy, and he did, but it wasn't what you were thinking because Mm -hmm. he was taking us through the saga of how a little innocent boy turns into this monstrous villain, Darth Vader. So at the end of the third movie in the prequel trilogy, we see Vader rise. He is personified this tortured creation of a mad scientist, the emperor, and a lot of manipulation. But there's still hope because mm-hmm. at the end of that third movie in the prequel trilogy, a baby was born. Two babies were born, mm-hmm. a brother and sister twins, who we now know are the founding principles of the movies that preceded them. The prequel trilogy ends with Vader, the villain, and the hope of the hero yes. being born. Mm-hmm. And now we are going to transport from that to the current time. Mm-hmm. Another 20 years transpires, and George Lucas decides he's out of the business. George Lucas says, um, I will take the Disney money and <laughs> retire from Star Wars altogether. Yes. And he leaves it in the very capable hands of someone who had been with him the entire time. Yes, another youth like us who believed in the hope <laughs> of the original trilogy, um, Mr. J.J. Abrams. Mr. J.J. Abrams yes. reinvigorates the series Mm -hmm. by going home. Mm -hmm. He takes this beautiful movie, The Force Awakens, and he says, I'm just going to remind everybody what was most beautiful about the Star Wars. And it's going to look a lot like and feel a lot like what we once knew. Mm -hmm. So this third or sequel trilogy really gives us a different flavor because now George Lucas himself is no longer part of the creative or filmmaking process. Yes. And the shepherds at Disney were trying to remind people, especially after such a long hiatus, 
a decade had passed before the Force Awakened, uh, Awakens had come out, mm-hmm. that there was something magical about Star Wars. Yes, and I'm, I'm going to pause you right there because I wanted to mention one thing. Um, one of the things that the original trilogy had was a sense of not just hope, but of whimsy. You know, yes. the, the magical. I said fairy tale before, but I think whimsy is really the word, the idea of the Force. And the sequel trilogy for me really delves into that. It introduces it again in the, in the name The Force Awakens. And the idea that we are reigniting the whimsy for you. And J.J. Abrams himself used the word delight when he was describing what he wanted to do with the movie. He wanted to delight us. He wanted us to feel the whimsy that George had created. This hope uh, of this magical energy re-enlivening, re-enlivening us. So if you if you see each of the trilogies as a saga in itself, mm-hmm. then you see this delight in the first, you see this despair in the second, mm-hmm. and then you see delight return very consciously, very boldly return and in triumph. The Force Awakens. And triumph. <laughs> it really yeah. was one of those moments where you're like cheering in the theater and you can't wait for the next movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And the next movie comes out and it is completely... Mm-hmm. Different. Completely different. <laughs> and the director, Ryan Johnson, he was he was he was given broad latitude mm-hmm. to create what he thought would be a beautiful movie. And I love it for its artistic vision. Yes. And it I love it for its not only just turning everything on its head, but understanding that even if things don't turn out the way you need them to, there's still hope. The main character still, still holds on to her hope. All the way up until the very end where she's like, I'm not sure what we're going to do. And Leia gives her a little advice saying, we have everything that we need. And that's the last line of the movie. We have everything that we need. There's still hope. They're still holding on to it by the end of the second movie. Even though they had gone through all the trials and nothing turned out the way they wanted it to for any of the characters, antagonist or protagonist. But there's still this sense of hope. And There's still this sense of we can get there from here even mm-hmm. when it looks bleak. So yeah. in the second in the in the third trilogy yes. there is another big bad mm-hmm. um and we have to go through this sort of reconstitution of the empire called the first order. Yes. And this reconstitution this is something that I saw that I really actually appreciated in all three of the sequel trilogies. The reconstitution was very militaristic. It mm-hmm. was very regimented and it was very limited in vision mm-hmm. it was all about power and control yes and what i really appreciated about that vision in all three movies was does power and control truly win mm. no matter how hard it tries mm-hmm. and it's like you know um what i saw in the first order was it the illustration that best suits me is uh trying to grab a fistful of water Hmm. The tighter you squeeze, the less you're going to hold. Mm-hmm. And that's the first order in these three movies. They are defeated in um, in The Force Awakens. In The Last Jedi, it is just incredibly chaotic. The rebellion doesn't look like it did in any of the other movies. It's mm-hmm. tattered. It's being chased mm-hmm. down. It is looking really, really sad for yeah. our heroes. And then The First Order loses... It's only leverage Mm. and hope slips out of the grasp Mm -hmm. because they squeeze too hard, too fast, trying to crush hope. 
yes. at the very end. Mm-hmm. And it took the sacrifice of one great Jedi mm-hmm. for them to realize that they hadn't gotten what they thought they the win they thought they had. The victory right. slipped through their fingers. This is not going to go the way you think. <laughs> I love that quote from the movie. <laughs> right. And then at the very end, we see our um our our hero, Luke, go through his last effort to produce a not a win, but mm-hmm. prevent the loss. Yes. And when you see that and you go Yet hope lives, mm-hmm. despite the fact that the Iron Fist struggled so mightily to close around our heroes. Yes. It leads us into the final movie, yes. Rise of Skywalker. Correct. Which is a movie full of hope despite dismay. And the it stakes is. had grown even higher, but ultimately it does come back into the whimsy. It comes back into the force. It comes back into the understanding that these things haven't gone away. There's turbulence. Mm-hmm. There's strife. There's uh, apparent uh, uh, tragedy. Mm-hmm. And still, despite it all, the heroes stand and they stand on hope. Yes. There's this, there's this element of movie making that I just absolutely adore about all three movies. And that is that imbued in every trilogy is this concept that you can't win if you don't keep trying. And no one gives up. Right. And that's really the message, I think, of all the movies, that they don't give up. You know, with all the mythology and with all of the whimsy that I mentioned, the the perseverance and the idea of that hope that people hold on to. And they use the word hope a lot in all nine movies of bringing that message back out over and over and over again and giving that to us to not give up hope. And that, to me, is the ultimate whimsy. <laughs> is the ultimate keeping that idea of hope alive and awake. The two of us who are, you know, we're fans, uh, we're aficionados, we can go through the movies uh, and find detail, or we can go in broad strokes. What I love about these conversations, especially as we sort of present it to a thinking audience like ours, is we get a chance to really sort of break down what we see in those movies based on the times from which they were built. So imagine that the, the sequel trilogy comes out of this era where things in America don't look solid, that the definition of the country is going through a fundamental shift. We're not sure how we're supposed to manifest our Americanness. We're not sure how we're supposed to, to interact with one another. We're going through a lot of our own growth and our own struggle. And yet these movies reflect that, but they do so in a way that says, is evil really the answer? Mm. Mm-hmm. Is it, it, it's powerful. Right. This evil is powerful, right. but is the dark side the answer? Mm-hmm. And that's a great is, thing the sequel trilogy did. Um, we're pretty much out of time, but before we go, I'm actually going to take the honor of doing the joke for the day. Oh, <laughs> if Jamie, you don't mind, please. If you don't I, mind, I can't I'll wait do for the, this. So um, we miss you, Alika. We do miss, <laughs> we miss you. you. But I'm gonna borrow a little bit of Alika's um, <laughs> her 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 joke nerdiness because I'm also a nerd too. So all right, I'm I'm ready. Here is the joke for the day, and for May the Fourth be with you. <laughs> Why is Yoda such a good gardener? 
green he has. No. <laughs> Bald he is? Because he has a green thumb. <laughs> oh, I was close. I should have I should have seen it coming. I just I you know what? I didn't look for the obvious. <laughs> I didn't look for the obvious. Thank you, JB. All right. I got one more. I'm going to give you another freebie because it okay, is it's a go. wonderful special day. Um okay. What did Yoda write as a kid? Oh, essays? No. What did Yoda ride? I'm sorry. What did oh, Yoda ride, ride as oh. a kid? Uh, camel, uh, uh, at, at, uh, oh, I, I don't know. A do cycle because there is no try. <laughs> and on that note, folks, thank you for listening to Illegal Hope and Change. I am Jamie. I am Change, also known as Emil, our Alika Hope will be back with us next week. Until then, please remember that these bad jokes are not nearly as bad as they could be with her around. <laughs> Come back next week, and I promise you, you will get your fill of our best worst. And may the fourth be with you. May the fourth be with you all. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> 